right. Are you ready now? I don't know. Okay. So let's just start off by saying that we had an entire episode recorded for last week, um, which I don't know what day of the week it is now, the 19th going into the 20th. We had an entire episode recorded, but due to many things, including being excited for SummerSlam, there being literal smoke in the house, which did turn into an oven fire the following day. Get the fuck out of here. That's not a joke. That did happen. What the hell? Yeah. So something. I think y'all need to clean your oven. We did. <laughs> we definitely we definitely did, but just that was very strange. Um, but we were very much distracted, and then we didn't have mic stands. We have the mic stands here now, thankfully. Yeah. Um, so we decided to scrap last week's episode. So no one got to hear certain things. Um, no one got to hear my wife's debut on the podcast, even though she was cooking half the time. And no one got to hear our new intro. Well, this is totally not dancing, and you're listening to the Shred Shack. <laughs> yes, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have wanted that clip for so long, and I asked Tom from the One Up Cup and Rise from Your Grave to do that for me, and he got it done. That is going to be our new intro for a little while. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> so thank you, Tom. Um, but I also have a new intro to speak. So good gre- <laughs> greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack, and this is Chris Mack. Welcome you to episode 82 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your premier source of news. I wrote premier. Premier source of news and an uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal, airing weekly or bi-weekly or every three weeks on (laughs) iTunes, Mixcloud, and Google Play, as well as on YouTube at youtube.com slash theshredshack and youtube.com slash adamantstemplum. Let's get started with some old business. Ah, crap, I missed it. Old business is old business and new business is new business. All right, so according to the Times leader, Adrenaline Mobs tour manager Jane Train, uh, took a turn for the worse last weekend and is in very, very, very critical condition. This is over a little bit over a month after she suffered catastrophic injuries in the crash that killed the band's bassist. And of course, this past week on Wednesday, August 23rd, she was removed from all life support measures and shortly after passed away. Now, last week you had informed us that there was a lot more to the crash than what we had originally assumed. Yes. Um, and apparently the person went across like multiple lanes of traffic, mm-hmm. which makes me even angrier about, you know, the, the, the one thing that made me, the one thing I kept harping on originally was the fact that like a tour bus is, you know, you know, how many feet long? Let's, let's top it out at like maybe a hundred. Well, they were on. They were on. A, they were on. They're an RV, so it's you know smaller, but still, it's but, a it's but, a large yeah. vehicle well, on the side of the road. Well, let, let's let's give the benefit of the doubt here and say a hundred feet. That on the side of the road, the exact the act the exactness of just you have the worst possible timing to hit a hundred foot vehicle on the side of the road. Well, here I'm re- actually reading because uh, I actually have the article here now yeah. in front of me. Apparently, the the driver of the truck. Which struck the RV worked uh, for Twist Transportation. This is the name of the company, and it's based out in Largo, Florida. And that the vehicle that he was driving crossed at least one full traffic lane before leaving the road and striking the RV, which was parked on the shoulder. Um, and then the company Twist has been involved in 14 crashes over the past two years, one of which caused a fatality, not including the adrenaline mob incident. Mm. So you got a problem there. There's just so much to be angry about, and I, I think we're just going to move on from here because um, it's oh my God. it's it's ridiculous and it's sad that this has now taken two lives total and has really you know hindered their lives of many of the other uh, individuals involved. Well, it's bullshit. Just 
continuing on with the the what the company's been in trouble for. Mm-hmm. Um, they said the company's 87 violations during the past 24 months include 26 of those violations were for unsafe driving, 31 for hours of service compliance, and 28 for vehicle maintenance. And or get your degree. Two for controlled substances and alcohol. So, needless to say, this company should probably be getting spanked right now. No, that, that's not that's not even spanked. Like, if you messed up that poorly, I mean, con- considering like I mean, the driver the, the the drivers are the ones responsible for their their own thing, but I mean, the company is responsible for the drivers. Yeah. I mean, that's just awful, that's, awful stuff. Yeah. So, fucked up that yeah. she passed away. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with the GoFundMe uh, thing going forward now because that was still um, going going on. Yeah, because when we reported last week, we actually reported on the GoFundMe yep. um, prior to hearing of her death. So yeah, and um, I mean this page is still up from what I can tell, and I think now it's probably obviously probably not going to go. It's probably going to go to her medical bills up to the point of her passing, and then mm-hmm. probably for funeral 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 expenses. Yeah. going forward. Yeah. Um, nothing's really changed um, as far as their goal of $350,000. Um, we'll just see what happens after that. I'm sure there will be news going forward. Yeah, that's just another another hard bit of news in a, in a year that's kind of picked up in its unfortunate death quota. Yes. So uh, let's just go straight on to new business. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. And as always with new business, we start talking about album releases um new album releases of course um i don't think we have any i don't have any unfortunately because i'm just looking right now that um brendan small uh the guy who did death clock and specifically metal apocalypse and everything there mm-hmm. he his galacticon uh project has its second album out and it's streaming right now so i was hoping to get a chance to listen to that before the show but obviously that just didn't happen yeah um, I didn't listen to anything new. I've been keeping up with some other stuff, uh, which I'll get into in a second. So, Chris, um, you can take the lead. What have we been listening to in the last three weeks? Because it's been three weeks. Yes, I know. Um, I've been listening to Arion, the new one, The Source, uh, So Hideous, Oathbreaker, Striker, Faith No More, Powerwolf. I got stuck on Diecast all of a sudden, only because I've been listening to my iPod on shuffle in the car. Because I just needed something to like kind of break away from the monotony. And one of the tracks from that album that I have by them came on, and I got just stuck on that album. And I've listened to that this week, the whole week, like over and over again. So that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, I did report on some of this last week, and unfortunately I don't have much of an update from that because random week. Um, but starting off, I went to Best Buy, bought CKY The Phoenix, brand new CKY album. Um, I really – I think you need to hear it. Like it's really – Well, I did – I did like the single when it first came out. And the single's good. The single's catchy. Um, and there's just... It's... it's a, it's One of the great things about CKY was the kind of like that guitar tone, that guitar sound, that really catchy thing. But it's one of those things where it's like... It kind of feels like it falls a little flat after a while. Because, I don't know. I, with with um, An Answer Can Be Found and Much of Carver City, I couldn't really find myself getting into every track like I did with Infiltrate, Destroy, Rebuild, or Volume 1. So I kind of guess like maybe a little bit of the novelty was gone. But something feels a little bit different here. Maybe because of the fact it's been so long since the last album. Maybe it's because they have different people um, 
it's because it's well because there's only two out of the original three guys collaborating here, um, and there are so many elements there that are synonymous with CKY. Just something again, something maybe feels a little bit fresh. Mm-hmm. Maybe like it's that that whole thing of we have something to prove here. Let's step it up a little bit. Um, but I love the album, so yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that one. Yeah, um, listen to Alice Cooper, Paranormal. Um, we had a <clears throat> we had it from Skateboard Marketing previously. But I actually went out and bought the album. Um, it's Alice Cooper, therefore it is awesome. <laughs> uh, a little bit of blend of the, a lot of the latter day stuff that he's been doing, um, which kind of hits on his that prototypical Detroit rock stuff that he would do was doing for a while. A little bit of the metal side of things. Um, at this point, Alice Cooper doesn't have to do much of anything. He doesn't necessarily even need to record a new album. But um, I'm just glad that he does. He's not one of those guys who just tours on the novelty of being. Alice Cooper. Well, even even touring on the novelty of being Alice Cooper, it's like you have so much material to cover. Like, also how, true. How would you pick that? You know. Also true. Um, I love the fact that he still sounds good, uh, and I don't think that's just studio magic. Like, he still sounds good live. Yeah, because like you know, Ozzy sounds good in the studio. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, like even the last time I saw Alice Cooper live, which I think was probably three, four years ago, he still sounded good. He's still touring. Always has a great band behind them. He was just here too. Yeah, at the Tobin Center. Yeah, so and I kind of I'm kind of bummed I didn't catch that show. Yeah. but I'll catch him again soon. He's still gonna be doing it for a while. <laughs> He's one of those guys I'll do until the day he dies. Mm-hmm. Which I'm very very thankful for. So apparently apparently the key to living long is golf and diet coke. So <laughs> I gotta say you got a two liter bottle right next to you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, well, I got Pepsi. I'm kind of in the wrong here. Oh no. <laughs> Got a badass over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. And I hate golf, so I'm kind of really at odds now. <laughs> we'll just go to Top Golf and yeah. drive it. <laughs> just go putt putt. <laughs> um, listen to Cronin. How do you start this thing? Um, now, Cronin is a band from uh, Long Island. They were formed, I believe, late 80s. And we've actually been uh, in a bit of contact with uh, their drummer, David Penna. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he he told us in the midst of a conversation that he had um, his the band had remastered and reissued this album, and he was really excited about it, and he wanted us to send uh, wanted to send us a copy of it. Um, so he sent sent it to me, um, and it's really really fucking good. Um, I was describing it as a bit of a bit of like Faith No More, older Faith No More, um, maybe like older Nevermore, Pantera ish stuff. It's got that. It's got that like. The, like the thinner metal sound, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to trying to really think of a good way to describe it, but like it just sounds like a good classic '90s metal thing, like like like, like suicidal tendencies kind of thing. Nice, like that kind of level of stuff. And I love the record, so uh, I know that we're gonna be playing one of the songs on um, the live radio show this coming Wednesday. So look look forward to that. And otherwise, however you can check out the album, if it's I don't know where it's streaming if, or whatever, but go check it out. It's fucking good, Cronin. Uh, Unbeheld Dust. Uh, this is an album that I got for um, review. You know, one of my my review commissions. Um, technical death metal. Um, it's an EP, six tracks. Um, really good. I'll just leave it at that. I'll get the rest into my review. Are um, oh, you doing yeah, this one for a review? Okay. Yeah, this one's actually going to be a review. I should be working on it today and hopefully get it out in the next two days. Um, but I. Yeah, it's no secret that I'm not the biggest um, technical death metal fan. I'm the biggest death metal fan, period. Um, but I always 
I always will listen to whatever's thrown my way, and I will find the things that I like in it. Um, and with technical death metal, it, a lot of it has to do with that musicality. It's like those little interesting things that they throw into their um, instrumentation. Yeah, I love um, that stuff. Yeah, and this this band is is no slouch in that regard. They have a lot of really cool shit. Um, now, not that it really makes much of a difference, also, um, but you know, you, the vocals are harsh vocals, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, lyrically, they stay away from stuff like gore, violence, and all that kind of stuff. Like no, no, no cannibal corpse. Uh, you know. The, the knife in the lady's chest, yada yada, so on and so forth. They actually focus on things that are important to me, like psychology, depression, existential despair, you know, things that are actually kind of topical and more so in line with my career. So I'm like, that's cool. Can't understand a word you're saying, but that's cool, man. <laughs> you do you. Let's look at the lyric sheet. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna look, look at the lyric sheet before I actually do the review, so I can have a more idea of what we're doing here. Uh, Winter Calling Faces, which I did the review on uh, two weeks ago now. Check it out. Thank you. Um, Elton John, self-titled. Mm. I, I, I had wanted to do an Elton John marathon this week. I just started off with Elton John self-titled mm. and didn't get any further than that, unfortunately. Actually, that's not even his first album, so I don't know why I started from there. I'm pretty sure it's not his first album. Doesn't matter. It's still good. Yeah. It's, no, that, that album's great. And if you don't like Elton John, then go fuck yourself. Seriously, yeah, Pete's not here, but we're we're channeling his spirit. Oh, Go fuck yeah. yourself, dude. Seriously, because I I make the joke that like if the opening notes to funeral for funeral for a friend, uh, love lies bleeding starts, you have to leave me alone for like a good hour and a half until I l- listen to the entirety of Yellow Brick Road. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, the whole album. Yeah, the whole thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're, you're lost. <laughs> yeah, done. Absolutely uh, done. Aside from that, always the randomness that I listen to. Um, and then there's one more album I listened to, I listened to half of, because it's another one that I got a review commission for. Um, it's called Immortal Sin. Um, it is all over the place. I'll get more into it in my review, but right now, like from, from track one to track five, I was like, this is five different bands, five different subgenres of heavy metal. These guys are all over the map. Not that they're doing it bad, but I'm like... Pick one. <laughs> Just pick one. I should, I should mention it here because uh, I mentioned it last week on the you know the, the lost episode <laughs> of the of our podcast here. So this is actually episode eighty two point five. Anyway, <laughs> um, for my birthday a couple weeks ago, Pete gave me a gift card to CD Exchange, mm-hmm. and I went there and I picked up a couple of uh, records. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned my growing love of Cody and Cambria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never had any of their records before, but I've been getting more and more into them as I've been, you know, picking up a track here and there. And they had three of their records for five ninety nine each. So I picked up three of their records. And I also found some gems from nostalgia here. Uh, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness and Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins, each for like six bucks. So I got the I got those two. So and I've been listening to those, which is you know, all sorts of oh my gosh, my teenage years. Yeah, you know, the Coheed and Cambria I'm cool with. I'm kind of, you know, like I've gr- I've grown to appreciate them more. Um, I still don't have any of their albums, but as far as Smashing Pumpkins, Willie hears ya. <laughs> Willie don't care. Well, I remember back in the day, I had Melancholy in the Infinite Stannis, and I just got <laughs> so sick of Billy Corgan's voice that I ended up giving it to you. And, yeah, I have it still. Yeah, yeah. and then. Later on, after I moved down here, and you know, ninety nine point five plays nothing but stuff from like my teenage years. Listening to more and more of it as I listen to the radio, I'm like, man, these songs are actually really fucking good. So I had to go out and rebuy it. 
At least I bought it cheap this time. They're they're good. It's just mm, actually to tell you the truth, I listened to to, to disc one of Melancholy Infinite Sadness again, and holy shit, <laughs> it's it's a quality quality fucking record. Dan's got nothing. Yeah, I, I got, I got, I got, I got little to contribute here because, because I, I think of, I think of rock radio, and I'm like, no talking, no new crap, take care of business now. Yeah, no. Um, I try not to listen to the radio very much anymore, just because it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I have this song. You also played this song two hours ago. Please stop. <laughs> Well, at least it's not pop radio. Pop radio is bad. Oh man, you can set your clock to that shit. Yeah, that that all kind of sounds the same to me. Um, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. General news. General news. Maybe. Um, let's 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 start off with some some big general news, which I didn't get to actually say on the podcast. Um, the Facebook page for the Shred Shack passed 800 likes. I believe the middle of last weekend. Um. Striving onward and upward. I think right now we're sitting at 811, which it seems like we we always like really inch up to the the next big number, and then as soon as we hit it, it goes up like 10 in one shot. It's like, why couldn't you do that a week ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, we always get more likes every Saturday and Sunday after the release of the uh, newest episode of the, the S5. S5. Yeah, um, the S5, and anytime we release like a big. Like the uh, the winter calling video got yeah, us a little two. bit of attention, um, but we're still going through all of our our messages and really hitting a lot of the old stuff that we hadn't um, touched upon. Because um, like, while they may have been played once or twice on the live show, um, I'm still trying to cover them and put them into regular rotation on our S5 thing. Um, and we did Bar- Barbara Barbara last week, which was a message we got back a couple years ago. Um, Dirigiri, which very conveniently happens to be in San Antonio. We just did them for the S5 yesterday. So um, we're, we're kind of trying slowly to catch up. I've been saying that, I think, since I joined up with the Shred Shack a few <laughs> years ago. So it's just, it's happening. Slowly but surely it is happening. So yeah, we're, we're trying to get the attention out there for everybody. And, you know, if we don't get shared, it's no big deal. Gravy. Yeah, no. Um, but did you see the band that I added this week, the Communion? I did not. That's Jimmy's band. Who? Jimmy. From oh, <laughs> I love Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy. All right, so let's go on to more general news, um, which I don't think you added anything from last week. No, I, I don't think I did at all. <laughs> did anything happen? <laughs> Actually, the, I think the most thing I added to the script from last week to this week mm-hmm. is. Um, a lot of recording news. Okay, well, let's go. Let's go with that then. A lot of recording news. Let's so let's just go with the general news first, mm-hmm. get through these three things, and then move on. All right. So, Stone Sour drummer Rory Mayorga held down the drum chair on Late Night with Seth Meyers from Monday, August fourteenth through Thursday, August seventeenth. His guest stint in the Eight G Band follows brief res- residencies by other drummers, including Danny Carey of Tool, Tim Alexander of Primus, Nicole McBrain of Iron Maiden, Abe Cunningham of Deftones, and Charlie Benanti of Anthrax. This should just be a, a day where he gets them all back, and they all just have a drum battle. Right? <laughs> That'd be crazy. That would be fun. That would actually be really cool, considering the, the varying styles of all members of that crew there. And then just like right in the center of it all, there's just Mike. I can play that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one thing I did listen to like two weeks ago. Dead Cross? Uh, 
No, I did not get a chance to listen to Dead Cross. <laughs> and that's it. the other mic that can do everything. <laughs> no, I, I listened to Sons of Apollo, which is Mike Portnoy's new project with um, Billy Sheehan. Every Prague person out of the sun. Well, yeah, Billy Sheehan, uh, Derek Sherinian, Jeff, so- Jeff Scott Soto, and uh, Bumblefoot. Mm-hmm. And, dude, it's fucking pretty fucking heavy. It's pretty much exactly what you expect from those members of that band. You know, it's the sum of its parts. Okay, that's cool. You know, it starts off, you know, like your your typical dad rock, little heavy, but then in the middle of it, it gets totally progged out with guitar and uh, keyboard solos from Bumblefoot and fucking uh, Derek Sherinian, and it's freaking, it's pretty badass. So it goes from being Frontiers Records to being like Century Media. <laughs> <laughs> More like Frontiers Records to Inside Out. Okay, uh, that, that's, I'm, I'm perfectly content with that. Yeah. All right. According to the Seattle Times, Chris Cornell's widow, Vicky Cornell, has hired the artist and sculptor Wayne Toth to create a statue of the Soundgarden frontman to be placed somewhere in Seattle where the singer was born and nurtured his music career. Now, I mentioned this last week. There is no set place for it. So once it's done, it's just going to be sitting in someone's apartment until they find a place for it. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like... <laughs> clothes hanging on. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, 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 so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the accidental coat rack. <laughs> like that uh, treadmill everybody buys but and puts I, their clothes on it. I don't, I don't know the layout of Seattle because I've never been there and I've never had a reason to know the layout of Seattle, but um, I don't know where they would put it. I don't know what, how you would get that kind of permission. So... Again, she's, she just... Uh... You know, no, it's it's definitely great intentions. It's just like I would like to know where it's going to be. Yeah, because I, I definitely don't want something like this cool. This is a cool thing. I don't want it to go to waste. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So last bit here for Dan. Music theories recording mascot label group has announced the signing of Galactic Cowboys, and the band's reunited original lineup is recording is working on its first album in 17 years to be released before the end of the year. One of the things I was bummed about it with with losing last week's uh, episode is that I brought up a clip that was specifically supposed to be for my wife if she got excited about anything on this. Well, I'm going to use it right now. Oh, my ovaries. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Just a little bit. You've been talking about that for a long time. I've been talking about the Galactic Cowboys for a long time. I know. I think I'm pretty sure like like since we started this, they were talking about getting back together and everything. So yeah, you um, made mention of that like a couple times. Yeah, that's right. So if if they hear this, because I know that they listen to the show, of course, <laughs> everyone listens to the everyone show. listens to the Shred Shack. <laughs> hey, if you guys want to do an interview with the Shred Shack, we are right here in San Antonio, buddy. Yeah, there aren't they in like Austin. Uh, I'm I know one of the guys is, is in Houston. They are Texas oh, based. I know that. I will drive out to wherever to do the interview, guys. Seriously, come on. Even in a hurricane. Shred Shack, in the hurricane. <laughs> Actually, right now, Houston's getting hit by the hurricane. Yeah, so. that's no good. No way. Well. So, yeah. Uh, but seriously, guys, seriously. Of course, they're sitting there like, Willie hears ya. Willie don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how many times you use that clip, it's not going to get old. I mean, it's perfect. I know. It, it, it sums up just about everything. It works very well. All right, you ready for yeah. some recording? Let's do some recording. Um, right. And I'll, I'll, I'll say what we, I said last week. I think we had like a string of things. Some of them can just be rapid fire. Yeah, let's let's do some rapid fire stuff here. Okay. Um, the first three I'll do 
we'll talk about it and then we'll do a rapid fire up until one of them. Okay. okay. Here we go. So a friend of the Shred Shack, Doro Pesh, has revealed to Metal Jacket Magazine in a new interview that she is planning on releasing her long-awaited follow-up to 2012's Raise Your Fist album next summer. Which was a great album, so I'm looking forward to that. So. And I'm sure the guys will get a uh, secure another interview with our friend. Yes. And uh, talk about that. Yes. Vimic, which is that new band featuring former Slipknot drummer Joey Jordison, is in the process of signing a new record deal for the release of his debut album, Open Your Omen. And this was originally supposed to arrive last year via Jordison's longtime label Roadrunner, but Vimic has since departed, uh, parted ways with the record company and has yet to announce a new label home. That's a strange one. I think we discussed it a little bit last yeah. week. I was like, of Roadrunner of all places, I wonder why, why they would split. I have no idea. Although I, I'm going to guarantee with the, with the higher profile that Joey Jordison has as having been in Slipknot, I'm thinking. No, it's know, not just Slipknot. I mean, he's he's in like eight different bands. Mark yeah, but Balls I'm but I'm like, thinking like you know where was uh, what did Sinsanum come out on? Did, wasn't that oh, a, probably you know Napalm Nuclear Blast? Yeah. So I'm seeing that we got it on skateboard. It probably was one of those. Yeah, but I'm I'm figuring that his his higher profile will get them signed to one of those labels one of those bigger ones yeah so it's surprised it hasn't happened yet well i'm sure this whole thing with roadrunner just recently happened and they're they're still ironing out that process yeah. all right metallica is planning to reissue master of puppets before the end of 2017 or early next year like the group's first two lps kill em all and ride the lightning both of which were were reissued in april 2016 master is expected to be remastered for the most advanced sound quality and will be available in several formats including a deluxe box set i think last week when we discussed this i saw the um the remasters of kill em all and ride the lightning at best buy mm-hmm. for six dollars each and i was furious <laughs> not because i don't want people to get the music but because back when i worked at the music store you know god how long ago was that long time over a decade um they were full priced 18.99 and even if i got them on discount still spending about 15 bucks so yeah furious great vengeance and furious anger rapid fire oh yeah rapid fire right and beer and dawn will release their eighth album uh titled darkness of eternity on november 10th via napalm records on October 20th, Guar will release a new studio album titled The Blood of Gods via Metal Blade Records. Act of Defiance will release its sophomore album Old Scar's New Wounds on September 29th via Metal Blade Records. And last but not least for our rapid fire... Oh, no, not yet. Um, Enslaved will release their new album E on October 13th via Nuclear Blast. And last of the rapid fire here is Converge will release their first album in five years, The Dusk in Us, on November 3rd via Epitaph and Deathwish. That all sounds like good things. Yes. I have no complaints there whatsoever. Yes. Now, the next bit is really cool for me. Oh, yes. Okay. This, this, I yeah. remember this. Go. Over the past year or so, uh, Mastodon guitarist and vocalist Brent Hines has discussed his plans for a new, quote, solo album titled Cold Dark Place. Originally, it was planned to be combined with what became their latest record, Emperor of Sand, and issued as a double album. Of course, that didn't happen. Instead, Cold Dark Place will now be released as a new Mastodon effort in its own right. Though official word has yet to be uh, announced, a now-pulled Amazon listing had the album scheduled for a September 22nd release date via reprise. Is... Increase me up, woman! Yes. <laughs> yes. All the willy. <laughs> All the time. Because, number one, Emperor of Sand was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, number two, we're getting two Mastodon releases within, like, six months of each other. Mm-hmm. That is phenomenal. 
phenomenal news. Man, I just I really need AJ Styles' music. Because <laughs> 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 I think we both say that word plenty. We use it a lot, yes. <laughs> the phenomenal one. Yes. But, yeah, two two Mastodon records in a year, that's like old school shit right there. Yeah, like, he, when, he, like Led Zeppelin would be releasing two albums in a year. It's like you just don't get that anymore. Yeah. Um, even – I think um, I think Epic is doing that right now. They just released the Solace System, which I think was like a lot of extra stuff from the last album, the Quantum Solace. Yeah. Uh, was that the Quantum? What is it called? I, I said the Quantum Solace from from James Bond. I can't remember the name of the album from Epica. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but they just did that. I think. Well, they that that second release is more of an EP though. But even so, it's still like additional True. stuff. True. Like if if. I would prefer it all to be released in one shot sometimes, but having extra music in a year is is not t- too bad of a thing. Periphery did something very similar to that with their with their double album that was like two or three years ago. Yeah, so. I was going to say Metallica did that with Beyond Magnetic, but that was like three years later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's because they knew they was going to take them another five years to record the fucking album. Anyway, Napalm Death have entered a palm uh, a pal- a parlor. Jesus Christ. Studios in Kettering, uh, Northamptonshire, England, to begin recording their new album for an early 2018 release. Yes, all of the yes. Yeah, I was going to say this is this is the band that got Dan into a little bit more grindcore to begin with. Yes. So anything new from them will be featured here on the show. I would love to see them live again. They they came right. around here a few months ago. They had a they had a sweet show come around here a few months ago with them on it, and I I unfortunately passed up on it. But next time I will be there. All right, here's one for Dan. Oh, wait. Oh, no! All of this jism! All the jism. I saw a picture of this on Instagram, and I, I nearly cried. <laughs> BMG will release the solo catalog on vinyl from Iron Maiden frontman Bruce Dickinson on October 27th. Dickinson's six solo albums span from 1990 to 2005 and have been cut from the original Masters for reissue on heavyweight black 180-gram vinyl in artwork sleeves. Two of the titles, <clears throat> The Chemical Wedding and Tyranny of Souls, are being made available for the first time ever on vinyl. The four previously available, Tattoo Millionaire, Balls to Picasso, Skunk Works, and Accident of Birth, have been long out of print, with the latter two titles now expanded to double LPs for optimum sound. <laughs> As a special bonus to fans, all six albums will also be available in a limited edition Solo Works box. I saw the Solo Works box. Oh. <laughs> like, I, I'm not even, I don't care that much about vinyl. I'm not... A sound snob, and I don't, I don't get much into the the hype of things. I just like box sets. I like Bruce Dickinson. I like uh, this whole thing. I it's, love box sets. Yeah. Box sets are so fucking cool. Like I would, I would just, I would. It's one of those things that I would sit there and put on the music, sit in my recliner and just like read through the pages and all that kind of shit. Like this, I haven't done that in so long. But this is the kind of thing I would do that for, oh, yeah. just to get reacquainted with everything. Oh yeah. Like it's it's that excites me. Like. In, in the worst way. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Back on November 18th, 2016, Metallica played a special release show for their album Hardwired to Self-Destruct to 850 fans at the House of Vans in London, England. That performance will now receive an official vinyl release via the band themselves. That is cool. Yes, it is. Um, if you're a band like Metallica and you have the capabilities, the money, and everything to do stuff like that, you fucking do it. I think... 
every one of their shows is recorded and available in their live vault on the internet. Still? Like, I, I, cause I, I remember so. that when that first came out 14 years ago, around the time of St. Anger. I think I think they still do that at every show. That is fantastic. Like if you, I remember when, when Death Magnetic came out. Was it Death Magnetic? Probably. I think it was. Death Magnetic came out, you got the album with the tickets when you went to see the show, and then you also got a download code to download the show that you went to. That's cool. You know, for free. That's always. I cool. mean, everything everything on the website you have to pay for. I think. No. Um, regardless, it's probably not that expensive. But they, I think they have all of their shows up there. That is that is awesome. That, I mean, that kind of reminds me of like what Fish does when they re, when they release albums like live albums of like you know shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, Fish doesn't have to release a live album. Period. Their fans pretty much circulate everything by them. And plus, the fact of the matter is that all their shows are drastically different mm-hmm. you know so it's just like yeah. it's ridiculous anyway yeah they're they're one of those bands that like you if you want to if you want to start getting into their their, their bootleg territory <laughs> good luck yeah you are you good are good luck <laughs> remember that remember that uh, looney tunes that that binder that they had there for the fish bootleg series yep. like one of like 30 or like that it, it was their it was their official live they they, they released a f- like 20 30 official live albums and they released a a CD um booklet thing to buy like along with it. It's like I, th- I think it's one of those things where it came with one or two but then you got to fill in the rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like that's that's intense like that's cool. It's intense. I'm not that big into any band to do that, but I mean if you're if you're a fan, that's got to be That's yeah, it's yeah, that's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I would if I can't get personally excited about something like that with anything but I mean, if I could, oh man, I'd go overboard. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's move on. Alice in Chains are preparing a new red vinyl pressing of their live facelift release, which was recorded at the Moore Theater in Seattle, Washington on December 22nd, 1990. Only 1,000 copies will be pressed, each coming with a special commemorative poster. The set will be out on September 15th. Now, if there's ever any news about that coming out on CD, I'd be indifferent. But I want that. <laughs> I really want that. I, like, I don't care if it's colored and then I have to like you know, scratch up the color on it or anything like that. I want that. I want to hear that. Right. That's good. All right. Next up, Metallica, Mastodon, and Guar are among the artists who released their music on pink vinyl for the fourth annual Ten Bands, One Cause. The initiative was, has raised over $144,000 for Gilda's Club New York City, an organization that provides community support for those um, both those diagnosed with cancer and their caretakers. It, ha- uh, it is named after comedian Gilda Radner, who passed away from cancer at the age of 43 in 1989. This year's releases include pink pressings of Metallica's Hardwired to Self-Destruct, Mastodon's Emperor of Sand, and Guar's The Blood of Gods. They will be available for purchase at retailers nationwide, wherever vinyl is sold, and proceeds will sponsor Gilda's Club NYC. That's cool because it's charitable and it's also um, limited. Yeah. So... Definitely, definitely hits a lot of a lot of uh, triggers for some folks right there. For as far as their collectors go, yeah. Um, I just like the fact that it's it's going to be like the brand new Guar album. Like Guar's going to come out with the new album yeah. and put it on pink vinyl as well. Yeah, De- definitely cool. Yeah. All right. More vinyl news from Pete. If he was here uh, on September 29th, Metal Blade Records will release two classic Testament albums on vinyl for the very first time in the USA. Low and the ritual. Are those included in the box set you got? I'm not 100 percent sure. Because I know that I'm pretty. I'm pretty positive they are. Because I know with Testament's catalog, there are the first five which come in that box set. There are three in the middle of their career that 
are very hard to find, and I want them to reissue those. I'm not sure if any of those two are among the three. Um, because, like, there was, like, they started off they started off really strong with the, with the first five, and then I guess they kind of had, like, the mid-90s lull that Metal had, and then they came back with Formation of Damnation. Oh. Oh. Um, I remember the first time I heard Formation of Damnation. Jesus Christ! Yeah, but they're 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 one of those bands that like you know with with the changing of of music and with Chuck Billy's um, condition and everything, they had to kind of they had like a hiatus and a lot of the stuff didn't do as well, so on and so forth. But I want to hear about those albums getting reissued. So, all right, last two bits here. Serenity will release a brand new full length album, Lionheart, on October twenty seventh via Napalm. Chris Jericho. And Trivium will release their new album, The Sin and the Sentence, on October 20th via Roadrunner. What's with all the S's? Silence in the Snow, Sin in the Sentence. As long as it's not working with David Draymond, I don't care. <laughs> Wait, did he do the last album? No, he didn't. Okay. Silence in the Snow was really good in comparison to Vengeance Falls, because I, I just can't listen to Vengeance, Fall, Vengeance Falls as a Trivium record. It sounds like... It just has David Draymond's nuts all over it. It's the guitar tone sounds like Disturbed. Some of the phrasing, the way he got Matt Heffy to sing, sounds like him. It just bothers the fuck out of me. <laughs> it just really does. Like a producer is supposed to get the best sound out of the band that he's producing, not put his own sound into the band he's producing. It pissed me off to no end. I I, I haven't heard enough of this album to oh. agree with you, but I'm just imagining like. <laughs> just nuts on the fucking recording board. <laughs> Tweeting out, all on caps, <laughs> recording the new Trivium album. <laughs> nuts on the board. <laughs> Hashtag nuts on the board. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I can listen to the record. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Trivium and all that stuff, but just it just sounds too much like a disturbed cover band to mm, me. Okay. You know, and okay. that just bothered me. Yeah, I got, that's. I think that's one of the last albums I got by them. I haven't really sat down and taken a listen to well, it. Well, you got Silence in the Snow. Yeah, but yeah, I bought yeah, I bought Vengeance Falls after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, basically after what was the um Crusade? After the Crusade, um, I didn't pick up anything from. Actually, no, sorry, I picked up Shogun when it came out. Anything between then and Silence in the Snow, I bought after the fact. I was gonna say because then In Waves came out, and that was good. In Waves was bought used. Um, after after Silence in the Snow and Vengeance Falls was the last one I got, and that was that was that was after I got down here. Ah. so. So not that long ago. Yeah, because Silence in the Snow came out just after we got down here. I got down yeah. here. So. But yeah, Trivium is always good. So, And that means they're going to come around on tour again. Which, which, which we already know about. Which we missed like the last two times they came here. So Is it in here? Well, I don't know. We'll get, we'll get to it. It's not in here, but they are coming to town with Arch Enemy. Uh, okay. Well, we'll get to that. Fuck. How did I miss that one? Anyway. I don't know. You fucked up. <laughs> Let's go. Um, let's go on to crowdfunding tracker. I guess we only got one because the other one we just talked about before. Yeah, um, so. we're just talking about Nitro, and they're still trying to fund their their record here. Let's see what we got. This is the supergroup, right? Yeah. This okay. is, well, it's not really a supergroup. It's a reactivated band with two original members, and they they brought in Chris Adler from Lamb of God as drummer and Victor Wooten as bassist. That is supergroup. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We could just say that. Though. We'll just say that. Super we'll just say that. Super group. Uh, but their goal is $135,000 to fund their new album, and they have so far raised 26000 Still not bad, but that's, yeah. that's a fair way off. But Yeah. We're eventually going to start a Patreon. 
Eventually, once we find out what kind of things we can give out to people. Yeah. Once we hit a thousand, we'll start, we'll start doing the Patreon thing. You know, besides hearty handshakes and a thumbs up. Well, you know, signed postcards, stickers, pins. Like <laughs> Who that. the fuck are these guys again? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's what we're going to do next, too. We're going to put up a, a thing of um, maybe like a quote from Breaking Bad. Say my name. <laughs> You will know my name. God damn right. You anyway. Will, you will know my name. All right, so let's go on then to um, concert news. All right, no Which... festival news. Festival season has been uh, kind of just ongoing and no new news for next year's festivals as of yet. Oh, hang on. i got to get my sound clips ready for this this bit. Okay. So, so go on. Def Leppard, Dan's favorite band is planning to embark on a special tour in 2018 during which it will perform its classic Hysteria album in its entirety. Quick, shoot me in the face! Yes. I, okay, that, that's, it's fine. That's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. As long as they don't play Pour Some Sugar on Me, but you know they're going to play it. In fact, they might that's play it. That's on the Hysteria album. They might play it twice. That's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> that's, <laughs> we're going to play everything except for that one song. <laughs> I just, just, I hate uh, that song. No, I no, fuck them. I hate that song. Fuck them. All right, hashtag sploosh. Oh, here you go. You're excited. Feel these nipples. Yes, Bob Costas. Gojira. Ah, uh, have announced details of a U.S. headline tour with special guests Torch and Code Orange, which is set to get underway October second at the House of Blues in Cleveland, Ohio. There is a San Antonio date on October fifteenth at the Alamo City Music Hall. Um, actually, that's another thing that we, we didn't get to point out this week because we had forgotten about it and that we pointed out last week. Code Orange was everywhere last week. Yes, they were. Because there was two bits of news, which we're going to get into the second one in a little bit, and they had played two songs during um, the NXT TakeOver um, the night before we recorded. So Code Orange has been all over the place with us today. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. Good for them. And then all the, right. the, the rendition of the NXT TakeOver theme was fucking badass, so yeah. All right, hashtag no San Antonio date. Uh, I don't have the clip up ready, okay. so go. Fozzie have booked a fall tour titled Judas Rising Tour with Gemini Syndrome and The Stir as support. The trek will lead into the October 13th release date of Fozzie's new album, Judas. I'm angry. Yes, Daniel is angry. All right, hashtag no San Antonio date. Mayhem will bring their classic album tour to the United States. Classic album being an album I can't pronounce. Uh, to the United States this fall with support from Immolation and Black Anvil. That by the way, is a badass show. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can hear Pete just getting very excited from across the uh, across the way right now. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Some bit of news here: CKY and Three Teeth have been added as support to him on the North American leg of the latter's Bang and Whimper farewell tour. Which one was this? Oh, sorry. There we go. Because uh, I, I went too far down. Yeah. Um, not surprising. Yeah. The, this the the CKY and him team up just because of their associations in the past yep. through Bam Margera. Um, still, does not make it worth the hundred some odd dollar tickets. Unfortunately, no, definitely so, not. Yeah. So no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, Guar will release a new studio album, "The Blood of Gods," via Metal Blade Records, which we talked about a couple times already. Mm -hmm. In support of this disc, they will return to the road to tour across North America. Joining in the chaos will be Ghoul and Doyle from October 20th to November 5th. He is Legend from November 7th to December 10th. And U.S. Bastards. The tour kicks off in Richmond, Virginia on October 20th and runs through December 10th in Detroit, Michigan. 
There is a San Antonio date on December 1st at the Aztec. Uh, yeah. Um, I think we, when we discussed this last week, we we felt that Doyle was not going to be on that, and I kind of lost my interest. Yeah. I would, I would, if I'm going to see that show, I'd like to see what. And the unfortunate thing is, following this up is hashtag no San Antonio date. Doyle has some shows booked on his own to immediately follow his fall tour with Guar Ghoul and he is legend. So not coming here at all. <sighs> You've made me sad. I know. Damn it, Doyle. All right. Last week we talked about uh, rumors that Hatebreed looked to have a double anniversary tour in the works. Jamie Johnson made mention on his The Joshua Show podcast that the band had been booking a tour in November and December, celebrating both the 20th anniversary of their debut album, Satisfaction is the Death of Desire, as well as the 15th anniversary of their 2002 sophomore album, Perseverance. This tour has been confirmed, but hashtag no San Antonio date. My goodness, is it moany shouty time again already? Fucking okay, right it is. Um, I think our joke last week was they can play both of those albums and still have enough time to play a third album. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. I, I would actually like to catch that. Cause, like, I would love to see Hatebreed again. I haven't yeah. seen them in years. Well, I, I started getting into them when Perseverance came out, so... Yeah, I think I got into them like right before Perseverance came out. Like They had a one song on, like, um, on a hard, hardcore uh, compilation that I really liked. Uh-huh. And then when Perseverance came out, I was like, Whoa. totally like a game changer. Turn the mic towards you a little bit. So. Oh. I'll just say, just, just turn it. Uh, whatever. Why? Just so oh. it'll actually pick you up, because right now it's aiming towards your eyes. Oh, okay. So. Well, I talk loud. But even so. All right. Moving on. This one was just announced mm-hmm. this week. Hammerfall will return to North America in 2018. The headlining Trek, which features special guests Flotsam and Jetsam, will kick off on May 17th. In Fort, Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and crisscrossed the continent before concluding on June 19th here in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, what's that? San Antonio, the best? It's unnecessarily powerful! <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have it listed here, but I saw it come up. Trivium and Arch Enemy are coming to town. I don't know when, and I, I, I feel that I failed in not uh, picking it up and putting it on the, the list here. That's it, lads! We're fucked! Yep. You, you messed it up. Yep. Yep. Okay, so let's go on to one-offs then. All right. The Dillinger Escape Plan's final show has been set for December 29th at New York City's Terminal 5. Supporting the band at this show will be Code Orange and Daughters. I have a feeling that the place is going to burn down after that show. I have a feeling, yeah. I think that's the, the general consensus. Yeah. All right. Dead Cross played at El Rey Theater in Los Angeles on Tuesday, August 22nd as a makeup date for their previous night's show, which was canceled at the last minute after Mike Patton, not Portnoy, was involved in a, quote, minor accident. According to Dead Cross publicist, Patton is okay. He is getting stitched up and is in raring to go. He thought he could skateboard to the show last night, but he suffered a bad wipeout on the way. All tickets purchased for Monday night's performance will be honored at the box office on Tuesday, and refunds are available were available at the point of sale. Someone needs to call Mike and tell him not to skateboard to the show. <laughs> and you know how we can do that? We get, get that the motherfucker, motherfucker on, on the phone. phone. <laughs> on the phone. Oh, I need that clip badly. Yes, you do. On the phone. Get that we motherfucker. need that motherfucker on the phone. <laughs> On December 30th, the classic era lineup of Misfits, Glenn Danzig, Jerry Oldy, and Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein, will perform at the Forum in Los Angeles, California. Following their two reunion shows in 2016 at Riot Fest in Denver and Chicago, this one night-only event will be the only 2017 performance. 
The band will be joined by special guests to be announced soon. I really want to play our intro clip again. (laughs) 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 But I'm going to hold off. Last but not least here for some one-offs, Baroness has just announced a special collaboration with Revolver Magazine to be held in Brooklyn with proceeds going towards suicide prevention organization Hope for the Day. The show will take place on September 10th at Brooklyn Bazaar and will feature a live Q&A and art show in addition to Baroness's performance plus an opening act to be announced. That is cool. Yes, it That's is. That's all i got to say about that. Yes, it is. So, All right. <clears throat> Let's go into heavy metal in the charts. And I know we had... a Now, the, the top 200, did you... Is this from last week or... That's from last week, yeah. Okay, so you're going to have to go through the 200. I'm going to have to go... You know what? Why don't we just skip that? <laughs> That's just disappointing. Yeah. Let's just go to hard rock. Well, uh, do you want to do the you yeah? Do the well, let's just talk about a little interesting note here. Uh, this is from a couple of weeks ago. Um, on August fourth, eleven songs spanning Lincoln Park's entire catalog received new platinum certifications from the Recording Industry Association of America. One step closer, waiting for the end, and leave out all the rest. Earn their first platinum records. While what I've done. Bleed It Out, Shadow of the Day, New Divide, In the End, Numb, Burn It Down, and the Jay-Z collaboration, Numb slash Encore, added multiple um, multi-platinum certifications. Notably, What I've Done, which was the first single from Linkin Park's third studio album, 2007's Minutes to Midnight, got a five times platinum nod, making it the band's most commercially successful, though not necessarily most well-known song. You do realize that Michael Bay's in the background like, Where's the money? When are you going to get the money? Why aren't you getting the money now? And so on. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the... Pat re- Tony for the win. That's why that song is is as commercially... No, it's commercially... As financially successful as it is. It's because of... Transformers. Transformers. More than meets now, if only that kind of power could translate to Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> so how do you do it for me? <laughs> See, how do you, I really need the clip from the happening. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> or any clip from the other guys. Have you seen the other guys? Uh, yeah, I watched oh. the other place. Oh, that movie's amazing. Just the entire intro with uh, The Rock and Samuel Jackson. Yes, there's that too. There's that too. All right, so we're going to skip all the top 200 because I just don't feel like scrolling through that shit. Plus, it's not loading up on my laptop here. Well, we'll point out the last time we did this, since you, you, you're, you've kind of condensed it to notes, we did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven notes, pretty much. Yeah. So that's the only noteworthy things. And one of them is, one of them was Def Leppard Hysteria re-entering the charts at 79. For like no reason besides <clears throat> whatever. And although we don't have it like necessarily available for listening, this is me when he said that. No! 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 Yep. Yeah, and I was yelling, and then and then and then Chris was 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 giving me shit. So no! 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 You do not bring that into this. You, you, how dare you? We will take this outside if you want. <laughs> Wasn't it raining last week too? So we definitely did not take it outside. <laughs> I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> but that's how that's how that went. <laughs> All right, let's do top uh, 25 hard rock albums. We're going to go from 25 to 1. Okay. Number 25 is Motley Crue Greatest Hits. I'm okay with that. Number 24 is Three Days Grace 1X. I don't even know that one. That's probably... I think, I think it's new-ish. Whatever. Number 23, Nickelback, the best. 
of Nickelback. <laughs> the best in Nickelback, the movie, the game. With a vengeance. With a vengeance. The flamethrower. The search for more money. Because <laughs> that's what greatest hits albums are. Anyway, number 22 is Zeppelin 4 out of nowhere. Okay. Number 21 is The Who's Hits, The Who Hits 50 by The Who. It's probably it's a hit, the greatest hits. Of course. All right. The Greatest Hits by Three Doors Down is at number 20. What? Aerosmith's Greatest Hits is at number 19. Okay, I was going to say. And Justice for All by, you know, that little up and start band Metallica, number 18. Disturbed, Immortalized, number 17. Yeah, that, that came back in time for Pete to, to re-enter the show last week, and then now he's not here. That's yeah. even higher. Well, the thing is, he's happy that's not in the top 200, though, so he's, he's good with that. Yeah, well, give, right. give it a week. He wasn't yeah. here this week, so. Metallica, Master of Puppets is at number 15. Uh-huh. Five Finger Death Punch, The Wrong Side of Heaven, and The Righteous Side of Hell, Volume 1, is oh. at number 14. Pete, can you feel it? Foo Fighters Greatest Hits is at number 13. Nickelback, All the Right Reasons, is at number 12. Linkin Park, Minutes to Midnight at number 11. Dan's favorite album, Def Leppard Hysteria. Is that number 10? Wow, that guy's a douche. Yep. Bon Jovi's Greatest Hits, another one of Dan's favorite bands, re-enters the Hard Rock charts at number 9. I like Bon Jovi. I just don't like the spending $110 to go see them. Mothership by Led Zeppelin is at number 8. Mm-hmm. Back in Black is at number 7. Yeah. The Black Album is at number 6. Meteora by Linkin Park is at number five. Greatest Hits by Guns N' Roses is at number four. Greatest Hits by Queen is at number three. Metallica Hardwired to Self-Destruct is at number two. And closing out the chart at number one is Linkin Park Hybrid Theory. Okay. I'm okay with this. Not terrible. Two Linkin Park, uh, two uh, Nickelback albums on three. there. Three? It was two albums in the Greatest Hits. Really? Oh, yeah. the new album, right? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say. Just interesting because... That album, All the Right Reasons, was not like the previous album or anything like that. It was somewhere in the middle of things. Probably had one of their biggest hits on it, but it's probably still playing on the radio. Son of a bitch, I'll end you! Is it the the photograph? Probably. Fuck knows at this point. (laughs) Alright, well that's it for charts. Not too butthurt. Okay. A little bit butthurt. Yeah, a little bit. Not, not, Not too bad. Um... Okay, so I'm, I'm looking through our, our thing. This is where we normally have a commercial break. And by normally, I mean we never, never. have a commercial break. <laughs> Ever. Because if you'd like to have a commercial played right here, right now, let us know on shredcheckmetal at gmail.com. I'm actually, I've actually asked people to if they wanted to record one for us, but they never did. So I asked the paint and black guys if they wanted to. Yeah, I know. So. Oh, you know. You've mentioned it. Okay, I was going to say. I was like, did, did they... Well, you've, met, you've, you've, you've mentioned specifically talking to Lou about it. And Lou's not there And Lou's anymore. not in the pro- in, involved with them anymore, so... Yeah, well. So, I guess I'll have to talk to somebody else. Anyway, um, no one saw a show. No you didn't band. see a show? I, you? I think any show I could have gone to see, I was like, uh, I'm tired during the day. I can relate to this. <laughs> Grandpa to kid. <laughs> yep. Um, so let's just go on to our discussion, which is going to be our discussion from last week, um, but it's just rehashed. But you didn't hear it, so it doesn't matter. Yep. Um, but we're introducing a new segment um, that we're going to start trying to do a little more often, um, and it's called Dream Set List. And basically, any of our favorite bands, um, if we were going to go catch them live, what would be an ideal set list? Um, and what would be our mentality behind what we set up for? Um, 
with new with any sort of new segment like this, we decide to go with the obvious choices, any of the biggest biggest metal bands out there, and we obviously started with Metallica. Metallica is our guinea pig for most of these. Yeah, Metallica is the guinea pig for new segments because of the fact that they are so universal. Um, regardless of who listens to this show, um, I'm sure there's at least one Metallica song you like. Um, but they are the most commercially known metal band, and therefore there's always bound to be something there. Um, you're going to start off. All right. So I did like a little bit of a mix of everything. So what I did to do this is I brought out all of my Metallica from my CD collection. The albums, live albums, everything. I'm imagining just one of those... Um those uh, montages from cartoons where like you're just looking at a whole bunch of like science equipment. Yep. <laughs> it pretty much was like that because I laid it all out in front of me. <clears throat> Track listing up. <clears throat> of course, to get the, the song titles and the songs that I normally see and would like to see, yada, yada, yada. But then to get an idea of what their typical set list looks like <clears throat> and kind of base it off of that. Specifically, <laughs> my idea was going for like an Evening with Metallica tour. Uh, specifically, an arena tour uh, performed in the round. So we're talking like, you know, their um, stage setup from like 1992 uh, when they were touring behind the Black Album or that stage setup that they had for Through the Never, the movie, which was fucking phenomenal. Like the the movie itself wasn't the best, but this concert footage and the stage show that they put on for that show was fucking phenomenal. Um, and I wanted to try and get a little bit of everything. The only album I did not pick a song from was Saint Anger. Um <laughs> Yeah, because reasons. Because because of all the reasons. Um, I try to get at least one song from each other album, and then I put in some classics. Just because you know, I'm. This is not just me. I'm trying to accommodate everybody in the in the in the audience here. Uh, so, I started my set list open with an instrumental Orion, because um, I I've, I've seen Call Cthulhu with uh, the orchestra when they opened up with that, and I've never seen Orion live, and I would love to see that one. And go right from Orion into Harvester of Sorrow, one of my favorite Metallica songs of all time. Follow that up with my other favorite Metallica song of all time, Disposable Heroes. Um, from there, they, they kind of bring it down a little bit um, with uh, Hetfield Guitar Doodle, which kind of leads into the opening lines of Bleeding Me and go through that amazing song because that's one of my favorite songs off a of load. Um, follow that up with The Thing That Should Not Be, uh, keeping with the, the tune of the guitars there, uh, we'd have a bass solo, which would lead right into the opening bass lines of Devil's Dance, which is probably the, the best track on Reload, as far as I'm concerned. Follow that up with something from uh, Death Magnetic, All Nightmare Long, my favorite track from that record. And then go into some classics with some with a little bit of one, because I like the way the, the stage show is kind of set up for that, where you know everything kind of blows up. And then, of course, the, the closing solo is just a a way to kind of come to the middle of a set list. Follow that up with Halo on Fire and a Black Album track that I don't think I've ever seen live, uh, The Struggle Within. Love that song. And then go into the Four Horsemen, but the full version, the whole thing, the middle part and everything. I want the whole version of the Four Horsemen. Kirk Guitar Solo going right into Sanitarium. Um, and of course, Enter Sandman just to kind of lead into the uh, them leaving the stage and waiting for the encore. Now the encore, I love it. During the Death Magnetic tour, they um, they would leave and then come back and play a cover and then play like two songs. Like their their normal set list involved a cover, a classic song, and closing out. 
with Seek and Destroy. And I kind of got the same kind of vibe going on here, but I have a whole covers set. Um, I have them playing three covers, three of my favorite covers that they've ever done. Astronomy by Blue Oyster Cult, Lover Man by Nick Cave, and their uh, Sabra Cadaver cover with National Acrobat in the middle. Follow that up with Master of Puppets, close out with Seek and Destroy, the way they did it with uh, the Death Magnetic Tour, with the house lights on, so you can see everybody in the round, and everybody having a good time. And that's that's my show right there. That's good. <laughs> um, I liked yours, though. Yours was badass. Now, I... I didn't come up with any of the setting thing, which I did like the idea of doing that. Um, typically when we do, I think going forward when we do these, depending on the band, for the most part, I'm going to do it like as an evening with kind of thing. So, I, think, I think that's, I think that's just the way it should be. Yeah. You know, Cause like, if you want to do it as a tour, it's like you can only get like a, maybe an hour, hour and a half time. Yeah. I'm going for like a three hour concert at, at minimum, at minimum. Yeah. Well, even, even if we hit some more bands that aren't as established as Metallica is, I would still try to do them as uh, an evening with, mm-hmm. but perhaps for a shorter period of time. Uh. You know, like... Because uh, remember the last time, we, one of the times we saw an evening with Dream Theater? That was like four hours. Yeah, that was like a weekend with Dream Theater. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the worst part about that trip, just a side note here, is that we were coming, taking the train back home, and it was daylight savings time. But it was springtime, so we sprung ahead. So we came home. We didn't get home until like 4 o'clock in the morning. Was that the garden one? Yes, yeah, the theater a, at Madison Square Garden. The theater at Madison Square, yeah. okay. Because I remember the one for Beacon, we got there, We got to the city kind of late. We were not as familiar, knowledgeable yeah. Yeah. on, on uh, public transit in New York City at the time. So we ended up walking from 34th to 72nd yep. to get to the Beacon Theater, and we... We thankfully only missed about five minutes, I think. It was only one song. Well, like it was half it, of one song. Yeah, it was. They were playing the Glass Prison, I yeah. think, which was, which I think in itself is twenty minutes long. Yeah. Um, so we only missed that part, but they ended up playing like for three fucking hours anyway. Yeah. Anytime you see a, an evening with Dream Theory, you better be prepared. Yeah. So uh, you better bring snacks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you better bring some extra snacks because someone's going to eat all theirs first. <laughs> Hurricane snacks. Hurricane snacks. <laughs> quick, quick story about that. I, I literally got a, a message from Lindsay midday Friday, like, oh my God, I'm eating all the snacks right now. We are going to have none left for this hurricane. <laughs> And I was like, well, it sucks to be you, bitch. <laughs> and she goes, I'm drinking your soda. You bitch. <laughs> I hate you. I said, bitch. Guess you're going to have to go get me some snacks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she knows you too well. That, She's that, that's triggered. My, that is my marriage in a nutshell. <laughs> triggered. Okay. Back on track. Back on track. Let's talk about Metallica. Um. So I didn't really have anything set up as far as the, the stage setup. Um, I've seen them two, three times in the round is badass, um, and especially because I don't, I can't think of anything as far as Metallica goes as beyond uh, for a stage setup. Like I don't, I don't see them as being like Iron Maiden, whereas a lot of their stuff is the aesthetics. It's the stage. Metallica can play a bare bones stage set, and I'd be fine. So let's keep it within the round. It's fucking cool to see. Plus, I think they perform better in the round because they, they like to really play up to the crowd. They can only do that so much in a stadium. Setting. Yeah, yeah. So so we'll keep it in the round because just reasons. Um, now, it's said when setting this up, it's a lot of it is for me, but I also think of it in a way that is more strategic. 
I'm trying to think of it as like, how can we get this to be ideal for everyone and still cover my bases? Um, so I started off obviously with the XC of Gold, because uh, that's their intro. Cut right into battery. Um, I am a firm believer in starting off, starting off shows, starting off albums with your best foot forward. And in the case of Metallica, your best foot is loud, fast, and heavy. Um, I think I had fought with what I wanted to start off with for a little while, but battery is the ideal. You come out, um, I would say definitely they play the intro, the acoustic intro, not have it recorded. I don't want that shit recorded. Oh, well, that's just, that's a little tough, because a lot of the stuff they do for those intros are recorded. Yeah, but I would prefer them to play it. So, um, No, you know what, I don't, I, no, I not to take it away from you, but I like the fact that the, the stage is dark, and then when the heavy part kicks in, everything kind of just goes crazy, and they don't have to worry about walking away from their acoustic guitars or anything like that. They can just do it. That's why, originally, I had Blackened to start the show, which is how, when I saw them at the, at the Coliseum, and that's Coliseum, that's how they started the show, Yeah, which is fine. I'm not saying put the lights on so somebody can sit there and play the intro for Battery. I'm saying keep them dark to play the intro off stage. Yeah. Or, or you know, don't light up just yet. I I just always prefer something like that to be played live. Uh, but battery right into Master of Puppets. <clears throat> of course, a one-two punch. Everyone's going to know it. Everyone starts off happy. Um, the next part, because of the fact that Metallica has such an extensive um, catalog now, you want to you want to cover a little bit of everything, um, which kind of lends itself to medleys. A well, lot of... well, describe why you did the set list the way you are. You, you, you described it last week as this is like Metallica's last show ever. Well, the, uh, I'll. <clears throat> did I say it like that? Yes, you did. You said this is like this is if this is this was the show that Metallica's going to go out on. This is what you want them to play. Uh, yeah, because because it, it kind of covers it covers a little bit of everything. And it, it, if you if you're if they're heading out now, new album in tow. In, like right behind them, it still covers a little bit of the new, but it covers mostly the old stuff, the classic stuff, with a little bit of tinge of the middle era. Um, I feel like a lot of this is what people would want to see if you had to blend a little bit of everything. Um, obviously, people will sit there and pull bits and pieces out and put other things in for their own favor, but I feel like with... If you want to make everyone happy, you got to throw in a little bit of medley to work to make it work, mm -hmm. and that's why I picked um, the next one, one into Disposable Heroes and back into one. Um, Disposable Heroes is a horribly underrated song, seriously, um, and they should be playing it live significantly more often than they do. Yes, um, and why not put two war songs together? And not just that, but the the theme of both songs pretty much are are. Yes. Interchangeable. Pretty much, yes. Um, the only thing, and, I, and, and with, with the, a lot of this list, I was trying to, to pace it out with s slow and fast and whatnot, because if you're sitting there and you're playing a whole lot of fast stuff, you can't just drop off and kill it. But in, in a way, this does, because you got battery, master puppets, and then you start off with the slow intro of one. So it kind of kills a bit of the pace. But I feel like it will build up... Um, that's probably the only down part to my my argument there is that it the intro to one will kill the pace. Yeah, but the thing is, it depends on where you put disposable heroes. Yeah, well, disposable heroes I figure will pick up um, just before it hits into the like. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like right before you hit that, you hit all of disposable heroes, and then you go back. Yes, and then you go, and you go back into that part, and finish the song. And, and that doesn't ruin the pace at all. If anything, it kind of just kind of slows you down a little bit because then that's like that, that's like ten minutes of pure thrash right yeah. there if you play it straight through. Yeah. So I think I think you need that breather. Um, but then that will lead into holier than thou. Um, I've gotten to catch that song live. It's fucking amazing to hear live. It's their thrashiest post nineteen eighty nine song, like before they started hitting into modern territory. Um, but as far as the black album goes, it's their thrashiest, and I think it would kind of, kind of keep the pace going into the guitar bass jam. You know, think about it now. I really. I really could have redone this. Anyway, it uh, goes into the guitar bass jam, uh, which will include some stuff that I would love to hear live, but I don't think it necessarily has a place to be played in its entirety, which includes The God That Failed and My Friend of Misery. Um, bass line to God That Failed is probably the first thing I ever wanted to learn. Um, same thing with the guitar line for God That Failed were probably the, from the first things I ever really wanted to learn. I actually did learn how to play most of that song for a while. Um, lead that into Injustice for All and then Halo on Fire Halo on Fire sounds like a finale song it sounds like the swan song um, but that being said why didn't I include it in towards the end shut up <laughs> <laughs> um, No, the, the reason is I actually set up their, their set into three sets set one, set two, and set three Halo on Fire is going to end set one um, and what I was trying to do originally was set up set one to be kind of mid-paced evenly throughout. Um, and as I've gone through this list the second time, I've kind of so felt little... like the battery is not mid-paced. Yeah. Well, well, battery I said like, has come out kicking and screaming, oh, okay. and then Master of Puppets. Master of Puppets is not as thrashy. It's no. it's, it's a it's a mid to fast-paced, and that's what I kind of wanted the first set to be. It's it's you're gonna have the slow songs, you're gonna put them in there. That's what I, that's what was my mentality, um, and, and you know, like I said, going back through it a second time, I was a little bit unsure about my decisions there, but um, I can still get behind a lot of it, especially the, especially the guitar bass jam, but maybe just not the placement of it. In fact, that may end up going that could have been suited better before Halo on Fire. Mm. Um, but set two is where I wanted things to go all out thrash, um, so I picked some the heavier stuff. One after the other, just rapid fire, not much time in between tracks. Just give Lars a little chance to breathe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, set two starts off, fight fire with fire, spit out the bone, Dyer's Eve, whiplash. No medley, full songs, straight into it. One, two, three, two, four. Well, that's, that only covers like 15 minutes worth of music anyway. Yes, because it covers, it covers some of the fastest stuff from early, and as I was saying, we want to cover a little bit of the new aside from Halo on Fire, and Spit Out the Bone is probably one of the best representations of that. I, like I mentioned last week, I still keep forgetting about that song because it's on disc two. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did... I had wanted to include Atlas Rise or um, Moth into Flame probably on, on set one, and technically that could still go. Uh, depending on how long you want to make this set, you can probably fit one of those in there somewhere. Um, but I didn't feel that much else of Hardwired could be in in the set overall. Um, as much as I love Now That We're Dead, I love, that song. I love that song, but I didn't think that 
if you're if we're doing the be all end all set list, it doesn't have a place. You know what? I I would have, I would might throw that in there with the guitar bass jam only to have like maybe like a little bit of a drum jam in the mer- in the middle there because yeah. what they do live now mm-hmm. with that middle section that would probably fit really well in that. Yeah, uh, the, the guitar bass jam is where I figure like they'll get like ten minutes and they'll get thirty to sixty seconds of just stuff that they would not play in its entirety. Yeah, like riffs and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just to, like throw things that everyone's going to know, they'll kind of they'll pop for and then they'll carry on. Yeah. Um, but set 2 starts off thrashing like crazy and then we hit a song that's still technically heavy. It's kind of in that same level as far as master puppets go. It's not very fast, but it's fast-paced to kind of start drifting away from the speed of the last four songs. Uh, so creeping death Go right into something that is anthemic, gets everybody into it. You know, kind of gets after you've been punched in the face a couple of times while in the in the pit. You have a thing that you can now focus a little bit more on. Sing with. Sing with, uh, which will lead into sad but true and enter Sandman. Again, starting off heavy, slowing it down, and then you slow it down to the mid pace, which gives you the two like commercial crowd pleasers. Uh, it's the reason why your mom is sitting alongside you. Yeah. While you're at the show. <laughs> yeah, and right. you bring your kids with you. You bring yeah. your kids with you and all that kind of thing. It makes them happy. So, yeah. Um, but you end off with Sad But True and Enter Sandman. Um, when I was going through this list, I had not originally put Enter Sandman on here. I had a hard time putting it on there. And, again, being a more strategic approach, it had to be in there. Um, well, like you said, because it's for you, but it's also crowd-pleaser. Yeah. Um Whereas with a band like Iron Maiden, I can get away with putting, keeping Run to the Hills off. Mm-hmm. With somebody like Metallica, you can't keep Enter Sandman off the list. Even if you got, you have to put it somewhere towards the end of the show to get to get people excited. Um, so sad but true into Enter Sandman. I, I, and I'm not even all that keen on keeping sad but true on there. But again, it's it leads into black album territory mm-hmm. and that's one of the ones that, that would stay and plus that's a, that's a staple yeah exactly it's, they consider that one of their heavier songs because the way it's tuned the, the open note is just so big and raw yeah so and, and, and with the way that that Creeping Death goes towards the end with its with its more uh, anthemic die part I feel like although it picks up at the end you still transition fairly well into a song like Sabbath True um, Encore hits and it's going to be hit the lights into Four Horsemen. I'd say at least seventy-five percent of both songs played. Um, hit the lights probably get a little bit less play because that's one that they, they do play on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. So from that into Four Horsemen, um, blackened, and then seek and destroy. Um, again, going through this a second time, I was like, man, I could try swap some things out. <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to redo my list again because yeah. I liked the, my set list the way it was. Yeah, I mean, there's still the mentality there, but just, just like I could have put in parentheses, like instead of this song, put this song there. It kind of, it's fitting the same, the same mentality though. Like it's, it's basically first set kind of builds up, it kicks you in the face, builds up, kind of waves around a little bit, ends strong, ends on a on a final note, mm-hmm. and then set two kicks you in the face. And then the encore. The encore has to be heavily into the older stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. That's yeah. why I wouldn't have put Enter Sandman in the encore. Like I wouldn't have ended the show with Enter Sandman. And uh, the show has to end with older material for sure. Um, but I I still have on here a list of couple of things that I, I kind of wanted to put on. 
uh, Somewhere, Unforgiven, Hero of the Day, Bleeding Me, Outlaw Torn. Again, this is all mid-career stuff. Um, I had All Nightmare Long on there from Death Magnetic, Atlas Rise, and Moth into Flame. Um, I just couldn't... I really couldn't put them in certain places um, without sacrificing other things that I felt had more of a place there. Um, Yeah. I, I, yeah, like I said, again, going through it a second time, I could have I could have swapped some things out, but overall, I try to think of things in terms of pleasing the crowd, mm-hmm. and I feel like that would that would do it. Sounds good to me. And technically, I, I'm sure one or two more songs can be added to this list. Um, not too you many more. You didn't do any covers. I thought about that, but I was like, okay, if this is the end, of, if this is Metallica's like end end game swan song. I don't think no covers. No covers. It's it's Metallica's show. It's Metallica's time. Um, I love I their covers. I mean, like I would like to hear a cover. Like if anything, you can throw in the middle to to bridge, hit the lights, and Four Horsemen throw Overkill in there. You know, something like that. That'd but but for just Metallica, if we're talking about just Metallica, then it's I I don't think covers should be in there. Gotcha. If anything, throw in the guitar bass jam. Yeah. True. Simple true. Gotcha. So. Um. And yeah, that would be that would be it. Again, a full length play of uh, the God that failed would be ha- would please me intensely. Um, and again, there are some things that I would put on here just for my own sake, but that wouldn't that wouldn't be that wouldn't make for a good show. It wouldn't be a crowd pleaser. Um, even let's, let's take another example. Um, remember when we saw Iron Maiden a couple of years ago um, at. Um, the, the the one with the beer, Hammerstein. Hammerstein. We saw them in Hammerstein, and during that set, they played "Lord of the Flies," uh-huh. which is an X Factor song. That went over so poorly <laughs> every single time. We saw it three. And we and we saw it three. We should have seen it four. Yeah, well. I saw it three times, and it went over poorly every single time. I like the song. I like seeing it live, but nobody was into it. So that's a time where I could sit there and say, "Do not play that song live." Do not play that song live, you know. Like these are the, those are the kind of things that I think about. It's like a lot of times when certain songs are played, seeing the crowd reaction, seeing the crowd get into it, that's cool for me. That's an experience for me to see. Well, that's so, why we also left things off for like you know from Saint Anger because yeah. no one wants to see that. Well, I mean, like Frantic would probably still go over slightly. Well, it sounds better live. Saint Anger, the song does too. I think yeah. actually did that did come up because a couple of years ago Metallica did the, their setlist by request. Yeah. And Saint Anger was actually requested by one of the crowds, and they they played it. Yeah, so I don't know if it was just a troll, but they they fucking did it. It's just one of those things that like I still try to th- I still try to think of it not necessarily just as myself, but as like what how will that affect the rest of things around you? And you know, I, I for a song like Creeping Death, like I like Creeping Death, it doesn't necessarily need to be in my set list, but. Seeing the audience reaction to it, that's a cool thing to see. That's yeah. a thing I like to watch. That's also, why I always throw in Seek and Destroy, because that's a big crowd yeah. pleaser. Everyone gets into that one. Yeah. That's why I, when it, they were closing their sets with that, it was so cool to see. Especially, you were at one of the Death Magnetic shows, right? Natural Coliseum, Probably, yeah. Um, their house lights would go on. At that time, they had the big uh, black Metallica beach balls that they brought down from the, from, the, from the rafters that they were popping around everywhere. That was just so fucking cool to see. <laughs> what? I'm just imagining uh, during from the SummerSlam yeah, event. Yeah, I was just thinking about <laughs> that too. Cesaro going out, ripping them all up. 
Um, Who brings a beach ball to a concert? Well, apparently they've banned beach balls at WWE shows now. Oh, really? Because it was no, because it was an ongoing thing, and they were like the superstars were legitimately mad about wow. it. Wow. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, those were our thoughts. Um, let us know in the comments for this uh, podcast on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the shredcheck, or email us, shredcheckmetal at gmail.com. What you thought of our set list, who had the better set list, let us know what your favorite, uh, preferred set list would be. Maybe we'll talk about it next week uh, on the show before we go into our next discussion. Um, and we do want to keep doing this whole dream set list thing in the future. So we um, we'll take suggestions for bands. Yeah. So any suggestions for bands? Um, obviously, you know we always have ones on the on the cards. Iron Maiden will be done. Iron Maiden's going to be done, of course. Um, but let us know what you want to hear. Actually, the initial idea I had because uh, I think it would be a little bit more like it would be more you guys than me, honestly. Uh, Opeth. Yeah. That's well, That's a hard one. Yeah. So, that's a really hard. So one. that's that'll be fun. But either way, let us know. Let us know what you thought about our thoughts. Send us your thoughts and give us an idea of what you would want us to do in the next time that we do a dream set list. All on Facebook.com slash the shredcheck or at email. Sorry. On email at shredcheckmetal at gmail.com. Did I just say that? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember. You know where to go. I I, I post enough about it, people. Um, But I think that is going to be it for this show. Let me pull up my buttons because I have extra buttons to close out the show now. And it makes me very, very happy. Um, So... I'm going to go home and get food. Warrior needs food. That's right. That is right. But also we have this. I need food for my victory! (laughs) Something about make me a sandwich. Yes. You didn't bring me a fucking sandwich, you son of a bitch! God damn you! I need that sandwich! (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Sums up life right about there. Yeah, pretty much. It's funny because the only things that we bought for uh, for hurricane preparedness, um, like maybe ten items, one of them was bread. <laughs> so sandwiches were going to be the only thing. That is if we got hit by it, but thank you, Shawn Michaels, for super kicking it away from us. Sweet chin music Sweet. to Harvey's face. Yeah, that's right. Take that, Harvey. But on that note, we make our curtain call. So until next time, I'm Dan Mack. And I'm Chris Mack. On your way out, if you want to kill somebody, it would help me a lot.